Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? going on you guys it is jake here bringing you all a little bit of a uh, sort of a random kind of party pod here on this uh thanksgiving wednesday wednesday before thanksgiving blackout wednesday some have called it but uh that can be our little secret but uh yeah joining us today on the podcast is none other than mike golick jr previously the espn he is now working with DraftKings and doing some of his own stuff here in the media in this uh sort of ever-evolving sports media uh digital landscape he's got himself a podcast uh, he's doing all sorts of different stuff and uh, just a really fun guy, a guy whose career I've actually kind of been tracking throughout the media a little bit. I was definitely a big Mike and Mike guy back in the day, so I was a fan of his dad. I've become a fan of his. I think he's a, a really interesting cat. I think he separates and distinguishes himself very well from his dad, and uh, he's off to a really hot start in a media career that uh, he's got a lot of runway in front of him for, for sure. And uh, he was a really fun chat here. Uh, I had a rep of his reach out to us and see if we would be interested in having him on, and I said for sure. So uh, we got him on here, and uh, we talked plenty of different things that I think you guys will be interested in. We get some Ravens talk in there. We get uh, some Thanksgiving talk. We get uh, just a lot of different things that we touch on, and uh, Mike is just a really fun guy. So it was a great chat. Hope you guys stick around to enjoy it here as we uh, kick off this holiday weekend. And uh, whether you're working, whether you're not, uh, we want to wish you guys a very happy Thanksgiving and uh, hope this episode serves as uh, maybe a little bit of a sign of appreciation to you. We'll be back later in the week to talk Jaguars uh, for sure, but uh, it was, yeah, just kind of a fun little episode that we were able to uh, crank out here on a Tuesday night and uh, push out the door uh, for your enjoyment. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Mike was joining us on behalf of DraftKings Sportsbook, who are going live in Maryland uh, probably as you're listening to this, I'm not sure if I'm going to post this tonight, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, but, uh, live on Wednesday, November the 23rd. Uh, so yeah, all customers can take advantage of DraftKings Baltimore Ravens, no brainer offer. If the Ravens score one point, you hear me one point on Sunday, they, they have to get blown out for you not to be able to do this. Uh, all customers can double their money up to $50 max bet. Also, all new customers can take advantage of their new user offer. Customers who place their first deposit within Maryland and bet $5 get $200 in free bets instantly. 
Online sports gambling has made it to Maryland. It is a glorious time as we head into a football-laden weekend. A sports-laden weekend and next couple weeks here with the World Cup. It's just a a great time for this thing to kick off. And uh, DraftKings is offering you guys a great deal uh, to sort of start to get your feet wet a little bit with it. I know I'm going to be indulging a ton, and I'm going to be doing so on DraftKings Sportsbook. So uh, be sure to go ahead and check them out. Uh, You can download their app, get on their website, whatever it is. But uh, before you do that... Stick around and listen to my chat with Mike Golick Jr. Talk to you guys soon. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest, kind of a surprise guest. I don't know if I really would have uh, had this one on the bingo card here before we got the uh, the year going. Uh, a little more on the random side, but uh, in a very good way. It's Mike Golick Jr. How's it going tonight, sir? Uh, good. Always happen to be the random party crasher. That's sort of my lot in life. I'm like the drunk uncle for most of my friends. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I, I kind of have a, have a funny sort of relationship with you because you started popping up on uh, Mutual Friends uh, Wash Media, their live streams, and I was always uh, always a big fan uh, with, with Brett and Dave and the guys. So uh, it's, it's kind of a funny little full circle moment here. The internet is a very big place, but a very small place in the circles that we all run. And those guys are awesome. They're, yeah. they're a ton of fun. So I'm glad I'm glad that was my entry point. It's always interesting meeting people. I had some kid at a, te- a Penn State tailgate walk up to me and go, oh, you're the guy from TikTok the other day. And that was not on my bingo card for 2022. So we're both in that in that boat together. Well, you're you're ascending your last name a little bit there, too, which is uh, that's an <laughs> impressive thing to do, I think. Man, I was going to say, because I promise you who is not on TikTok, and that is my father. I can't imagine putting him on that app, let alone as a viewer, and then asking him to create content. It would be far too much. Yeah, I, I could imagine uh, that would be that would be something else. Maybe Greeny, but uh, I don't know about your dad. But uh, yeah, so I guess we can just jump right into that. So I think our listeners probably will recognize your last name from that, you know, what your dad did with ESPN for all those years. But you're carving out a pretty nice media career here for yourself, man. I think it's pretty impressive uh, what you've been able to do. And so I'm curious just how you would kind of sum up the last decade of your life, you know, being a, a big time college football player, trying to make a go of it in the NFL. And then ultimately you you join a media landscape, I guess, back mid 2010s that probably looked a little bit different to the one that your dad joined. So what's kind of this whole journey uh, to the point that you've uh, you've made it to been like for you? Yeah, it's been interesting. I always say I grew up in a, a very kind fishbowl, but a fishbowl nonetheless, right? Because when I was in high school getting recruited, Mike and Mike was hitting its stride. It was really big time. They had made the simulcast uh, decision there and were really on the bubble with that. So everything that we did, good or bad, was a story. And that was something my dad told us pretty early on in that process was, hey, we're a family show. So if you do something funny, we're going to talk about the funny thing. And that meant that people had a front row seat into what happened in my life. And so when I signed my letter of intent to go to Notre Dame, I did that on Mike and Mike. When I was at Notre Dame and got arrested my freshman year, it ran on the bottom line and my dad had to talk about it on Mike and Mike. And on and on through the journey to the point where it came full circle you know, I knew from the time I was in high school, I wanted to work in sports media. I had grown up with my dad being, to me, more of a sports media member than a football player. I was a little kid when he was playing in the NFL. I don't have memories of that. My memories are going with him to watch Larry Fitzgerald when he covered him in the Insight.com Bowl. My memories are going with him to Hawaii when he covered the Pro Bowl as a part of NFL Live back in the day. And so I, I knew I wanted to be like my dad, and I knew I liked talking as much as my dad, as you can clearly tell. So... Um, growing up with that, I think made me uniquely conditioned to be able to go and handle the things that come with the attention of playing big time D one football and to deal with the ups and downs of a pro career that didn't go the way I wanted to. And I should say an attempt at a pro career, cause uh, you got to stick around for it to count. 
But, uh, you know, it, it all led me to a really interesting point where I think I got to be part of something super unique. I know I got tagged in one of those nepotism lists the other day, but not many of those guys got to work with their dad, which I thought was really cool. Like, me and dad got to do a morning radio show together for two and a half years, and that's something that we'll both cherish for a long time. And that as much as anything, all of that background leading to that moment helped me kind of figure out what I what am I as far as offering something different than dad. And ironically, doing a show with him is where I got to see first and foremost on air just all the ways that I'm different and just the different things that I can bring, I think, uh, when it comes to being a part of these things. So super blessed, man. Like I, I have such a unique road through this because like being a football player and having my dad have done that before me, I had someone who's been all the places that I wanted to go and can tell me what it takes in his experience to get there and how to best go about that. And it's been invaluable into getting me in this point. I wouldn't be anywhere close to this without well, the way that that's influenced me. Yeah, the uh, those nepotism lists are always interesting to me because like it's always like really talented people. Like I'm sure you know Jack Collinsworth; he's always on oh, there. Yeah. It's like, all right, well that guy's like kind of killing it right now. So I don't know like why you want to bring somebody down like that, but. Uh, you mentioned the arrest there. I feel like I wouldn't be, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of that's just something I, I key in on it. And if it's like, if it's not something you want to talk about, that's fine. Oh no, it's 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 super easy. It was a minor intoxication arrest. I blew a .03 at a party my freshman year of college, um, and it was one of those things. It stunk because obviously, you know, it, it was a mistake. It was drinking underage, which is technically illegal, you know, regardless of what you think about it in college. But the best thing that came out of it was I have a mugshot that still circulates on the internet, and now I sit here as a 33 year old ball guy. I had luscious curls in that picture. It must have been humid, so they were high and tight on that thing. And so it was thankfully, you know, it wasn't something where I put anyone else in danger. It wasn't something where anyone else could have gotten hurt. And I have a great picture that I can show people with a wonderful head of hair that will live in eternity on a Google search near you. That kind of feels like uh, Pat McAfee. He gets a lot of mileage out of his mugshot, yeah. I feel like. Absolutely. I haven't seen mine show up on a sign anywhere, which is probably a good thing. That mean, you know, that means that the uh, lawyer I used at the time to work through that process apparently did good work, but uh yeah, no, it was uh, it was a learning experience too because that was another reminder like 37 people got arrested the night that I got arrested at that party and two names ran on the bottom line, me and the other guy that was on the football team at Notre Dame at the time. So, it's a reminder that everything you do carries a little more weight when you're wearing certain uniforms on certain campuses. Yeah, certainly. And uh, it was it was a different time to when you were in college. And obviously it was a uh, it was a different time from now when you're talking about the media versus when you got into it. So you got into it in the mid 2010s. And I'm, I'm just kind of reading through your bios here. And it yeah. says 2016 is when you got started with ESPN. And I think even then things were maybe a little bit more analog and you're going into the uh, the radio side of things. How do you feel about how different things might have been then versus where they are now where you're with DraftKings and it feels very social media dependent. Yeah, it is super interesting. And I mean, I got to ESPN uh, really as things were starting to change. I mean, I, I got there and almost a year later was the first round of layoffs that I, you know, was you know, watching the company go through there and was a tremendously emotional time there. And I think kind of a, a real reminder of what was changing around the industry. And yeah, you're right now we go from, and you know, dad always references this, like we're a few years ago where Tony Romo, when he was still playing, got told he couldn't go and be a part of a fantasy football convention. And now we see major partners like DraftKings with the NFL, with these various leagues that are also in on the content side of things. And I think it's just a, kind of a reminder the way I always think about it is 
Sports media tends to change to reflect the interest of fans, and you have to go and meet people where they are. So when I got to ESPN, we were, you know, myself and Jason Fitz, who still works there now, part of launching the ESPN digital department. We did a college football ranking show that's, you know, uh, playing on in the background right now here that was the beginning of ESPN's digital programming because they realized young people are on Twitter, young people are on YouTube, young people are on Snapchat. I've met so many kids below the age of 18 who recognize me from being on SportsCenter on Snapchat a few times or being a part of any of the YouTube shows that ESPN has run. And so you started meeting people where they were then. Now you look around and see, well, fantasy football has always been big. Sports gambling has always been big and now is being legalized. And it's something, it's another access point for a different group of sports fans and a pretty large one. And so it's not surprising to me that eventually you get companies like DraftKings that are finding their way over and saying, hey, we want to be a part of providing content while we are also your go-to source for legal sports betting. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's really interesting seeing it all happen. And uh, yeah, we've got plenty that we're going to talk about uh, with that as far as it coming to Maryland here uh, tomorrow. And I guess today, probably for the people listening uh, to this. And I'm really interested by that like dynamic on your behalf, because you were an NFL player at one point, you were working for ESPN. I'm assuming there were a lot of strict sort of no gambling clauses that you were dealing with. What it, What's it been like kind of fully embracing that or at least working for a company who does and kind of uh, incorporating that into your life? Well, it's been a lot of fun because, again, it's a part of the way people watch, consume, and think about sports now. And I've always said to people, whether it was fantasy football analysts who have turned into sports betting analysts, they're really just savvy sports analysts, right? You're concerned and thinking about so much what goes into why a point spreads a certain way. You're more dialed in on injury reports. You're dutifully checking the weather in so many cases, especially with the last week we had with everything going on in Buffalo and the like. And I think you're even more in tune into some of the things that are important factors of winning football that also just happen to influence the way that people handicap this stuff. So I think it makes a smarter group of sports fans and it gives someone that little added interest you know, in a game that they may not have otherwise had it. So I think it's been fascinating to watch some of the misconceptions that used to exist about sports betting kind of drift away as more and more spo- exposure creates more and more awareness, creates more and more understanding. I think from that perspective and also as just a fan or maybe a general analyst, um, what has kind of been your read on the NFL this year? It feels like the quality of play has been a little shoddy in spots to me. It feels like there's been some bad primetime games. Does that make the handicapping a little bit tougher for you? Uh, what, what what has kind of been your, your sort of vibe with all of that? Yeah, I mean, obviously that primetime bump is real, right? As a general public, we base a lot of our opinions off that, and I think that's where odds makers can kind of have their fun because you're watching the public overweight something they saw in primetime that may be neglected, you know, people that were missing from injury, something that had gone on that week that affected the product on the field for that team. But I, I also think that we use quarterback play as a proxy for the health of the league, and I think we're looking at a league this year that's kind of in the middle of a little bit of a pendulum swing back. Because you've got a bunch of teams that recognize defenses are downsizing personnel. This would become a you know five defensive back nickel personnel league, 11 personnel on offense, so one tight end and three receivers. And we were spreading it out and chucking it around the yard. The bodies that you had brought into the league on defense had been getting smaller and lighter. And so a couple of these offensive coaches, especially the guys in that Shanahan-McVay tree who love getting up there and running the rock, they said, well, we've got lighter boxes, quite literally, not just numbers, but weight. 
why don't we try and pound people up the middle a little bit more? And you've seen so many teams make that shift. Certainly you guys know in Baltimore and have been operating an offense that has been ground-based for a while. But the New York Giants, Brian Dayball came from the Buffalo Bills and said, no, I look at the personnel here and some of the changes. We're going to run this thing. Dallas is doing the same thing right now. San Francisco is doing the same thing in the NFC. So you keep going on and on down. And I think because you're seeing that shift in style, you're getting a lot of closer scores. You're getting some things that are maybe a little less what we're used to as far as high-end football, especially being played by the quarterback positions. And so probably that affects some of how we perceive all that stuff. Do you see that full shift kind of holding up in the long term? Because I have a hard time imagining that, like, for example, the Chiefs aren't going to be a lot more explosive in the passing game next year. And maybe this was just kind of a, a stepping stone year. And then I guess my, my B part of that is as a former lineman, does that make you love a team like the Ravens who uh, goes out there and uh, kind of punishes teams and uh, plays good defense? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, listen, you talk to every offensive lineman and in their heart of hearts, they want to go forward and not backward, right? It's the, I, I always say offensive line and defensive back are the two most unnatural positions on the field. You're asked to backpedal and go up against some of the best athletes that the world has to offer on the other side. And so getting to go forward and inflict some of that damage we've seen has a very real effect and is forcing defenses into some different things to try and stop that. Um, so I, I think that's certainly a part of it. I think nothing is static in the NFL. These coaches are all too good and spend too much time analyzing trends. They're always looking on finding weaknesses, and we see at different points different sides get the advantage between offense and defense on that. It's also about resources, right? The team they mentioned in the Chiefs is a perfect example. You sign Patrick Mahomes to a half a billion dollar contract because you believe he is so good that he's going to be able to overcome some of the other parts of this team. So what does that mean? you got to be able to go out there, draft, and acquire – in the right way at the right price. And so you have to let Tyreek Hill go and get paid in Miami and do all that. But you believe that if you give Patrick Mahomes a wide receiver room that's got a little bit of everything, that still has Travis Kelsey at tight end, who's been phenomenal this season, that Mahomes is good enough to go and put all those guys in the best position. That Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, you have a coaching staff that's going to be able to go out and scheme those guys in the right spot. So it's always going to be about what you have. It's always going to be in an ideal world, a team built on a great quarterback that can make life easier for everyone else. But I think you're seeing young creative GMs that are willing to get in the trade market a lot more that are willing to do the F them picks thing that we've seen go on in Los Angeles, in Tampa in the last couple of years and kind of mortgage some of their future to operate creatively with those resources. So long-winded way of saying, no, I don't think anything holds for all that long. I think we're going to see constant change and we're seeing more people willing to be creative within this sort of boundary and this picture that's been created for the NFL right now. Definitely. Um, from either a betting or a general viewpoint, what has been your favorite storyline to track so far in the NFL uh, this year? It feels like there's been a lot of pretty entertaining ones. Yeah, there has been a lot of pretty entertaining ones. Um, I would say, I think watch, and I know this is always going to be an easy one generally, like the you know former ESPN and me is showing. The Cowboys have been really interesting to try and get a handle on this year. They managed to survive Dak Prescott's injury. He comes back, and it's not looking great all the way. We're talking about running backs a lot more and spending so much time not just you know breaking down Dak Prescott's play, but having a debate about Tony Pollard versus Ezekiel Elliott, who's a better fit there. You've got the likely defensive player of the year, and Micah Parsons on the other side of that ball, but we watched them get punched in the mouth and run up on not too long ago either. So trying to kind of get a gauge on that team that's sort of, I think, doing the macro conversation we just had about the NFL's understanding of what you've got at quarterback versus what's available to you on the ground right now. Cowboys are at the forefront of that. They paid Dak Prescott like he's one of those guys. He might not be, and it, I don't think is, 
Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson in that range of quarterback. He's a very good quarterback who can certainly be an advantage to you and is, you know, None of that conversation or quarterback controversy Jerry Jones wanted to have about Cooper Rush was ever real in my mind. But I think you're seeing that team realize, hey, we've got to be a more complete effort. That game plan we used for Cooper Rush has to be more applicable when Dak Prescott's back in there so we don't make him drop back 40, 50 times a game because that's not who he is and that's not the best version of this team. So watching them find themselves, and I think now as the clock, you know, the calendar turns into November and getting ready for December, that's a team that's playing some of the best football we've seen from the Cowboys in the last few years in an NFC that's been looking all season for teams teams to step up when Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, and Green Bay, the teams we thought we were going to be at the top, all kind of let us down early in the season. Yeah, we always kind of joke on this podcast that if you can't enjoy the Cowboys, you you take yourself a little bit too seriously, I think. And uh, just watching the the kind of flirting with Beckham and all the stuff, it's just always so oh, much fun. Like it's, it's they the are they're they're like they're they're very much like I know Jerry Jones is old, so he's not really that online, but they're very much like a thirsty internet team. Like they're just going to give you wonderful clickbait headlines. Your owner and master of everything goes on a radio show every week and just drops little hints. Like he's a message board poster that just happens to be one of the most powerful men in football, and it's incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it feels like he'd fit right in on like the, you know, Texas Longhorns, like recruiting, like message <laughs> boards kind of thing. So it maybe it's a, a good fit there. But yeah, um, I say, I say uh, uh, Jerry Jones having like a tiger droppings or a Tex Ags account or something would not be the most surprising thing in the he's world. He's definitely he's you got to think he's on the Razorbacks one, whichever one that is. He's uh, he, he's got to be all over that some sort of burner account. But uh, I guess without looking we can and this kind of ties in with what we're talking about without like looking at the betting odds. Maybe, you know, I'm off the top of your head, but. If you had to personally handicap your top three Super Bowl favorites right now, just kind of based on the current vibes heading into the Thanksgiving week here, who do you think you got? Yeah, I, I you know I'd start off with Kansas City. I, I really think that team managed their change in identity so much last year, and it's it was subtle, but how they've managed to change the way they operate on offense based on personnel change and how defenses were playing them, and, and Mahomes playing MVP football right now. I, I'd have them at the top of that list. I still think I'd have Buffalo in there too. I understand some of the struggles of late, the concerns about Josh Allen and the red zone turnovers, but they've been banged up on defense. They know they got Jordan Poyer back this last game. Tremaine Edwins went out there. So when they're healthy, that team is super dangerous, and I just think they're so explosive with that you know, Josh Allen to Diggs combination, that that still goes a long way. And I'm counting on them getting it right before the season's end. And I would still say Philly. Like I know we spent a lot of time talking about San Fran, a lot of time talking about Dallas. And the Eagles' last two games haven't been stellar on offense by any means. We had the whole conversation about rush defense that they tried to address by going out and signing Linval Do- Joseph and Indomitian Sue. But man, that's another team. When they are healthy and along the offense and defensive lines, it's super important because I don't think there's a ton of depth on the offensive line side of things. But when they're healthy, that's been a juggernaut for a large portion of this season. And I think inside the NFC, because they can go so downhill at you and because that line's so prolific, they're really dangerous. So I would probably still have them in that top three and the number one seed coming out of the NFC side at this point. Absolutely. So I got a couple fun sort of lightning round ones to get you out of here on. Um, You're wearing a Notre Dame pullover there. Uh, I'm a little bit of a Notre Dame sympathetic Irish Catholic myself. Uh, I'm going to give you just, you know, 30 seconds, whatever you need to uh, wax poetic about Kyle Hamilton here. 
Man, Kyle was one of the most fun players that uh, I got to watch in South Bend in quite some time. I think pound for pound may have been the best athlete to come through Notre Dame in the last decade or so. And the thing that was always cool was going back and listening to coaches talk about just from the neck up how special he was and how much he enjoyed being challenged in practice. The battle that he had with, you know, the battles he had with Michael Mayer, who's going to be a first round pick at tight end this year. And watching the way the Ravens have used him, deploying him in that overhang spot in the slot, letting him be physical near the line of scrimmage, sending him on blitz he can do so much and has the aptitude to handle all that I always thought Baltimore was the perfect fit for him and it's nice to see as we get towards the back half of the season he's really coming into the player that we got to see and we're so fortunate to have in South Bend for three seasons yeah absolutely he's really been coming on the last couple weeks too so hopefully this injury isn't too serious and he can keep his uh keep his role going but uh it's always good to uh have players that are kind of sympathetic to the or people out there that are sympathetic to the cause a little bit and that are, they're gonna talk some of our guys up so I knew you'd have some good stuff there uh random one for you here maybe a little bit embarrassing but i don't know i mentioned our mutual friends there and you were uh, on one of their episodes at one point i don't know why this popped up into my head when it got proposed for you to come on to here and uh, chat with me a little bit but the term mike golick jr is a weapon on the dance floor was uh something that i think our mutual friend brett threw out there so if you had number one overall pick a song to put on the jukebox and go out there and cut a rug to what do you think you would uh throw on um, probably teach me how to Dougie's been one pretty consistently going back to college. That one was pretty, uh, pretty popular when I was, you know, going out to the bars and doing my thing there because I'm a weapon on the dance floor above a certain blood alcohol content. Right. I need all, a little yeah. bit of that liquid courage, especially into my thirties now, but I, I would take that even a step further. Um, I am like a truly, uh, I've never, you know, I don't consider myself truly great at many things. I won't toot my horn about many things. I'm a great wedding wedding guest. I'm like a number one overall draft pick when it comes to the wedding. I pair well with parents. Moms love me. I'll get out and start the party on the dance floor. I'm going to come early and stay late. And so that part of that is being a weapon on the dance floor that goes into what I think is a five-tool wedding player. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's got to be at the top of the list. And also, you mentioned you were the guy that goes out there and starts it. That's a big, big aspect of it, I think, because people get a little sheepish, a little nebbish standing on the edges of it. You got to have that guy that's going to go in there and start the fire a little bit. It usually helps that I've been drinking since during the ceremony. So at that point, I'm walking in feeling a lot better than most. Yeah, no. And as somebody who's a little bit of an irrationally confident dancer after maybe a few cold domestics, I can totally relate to it. So uh, it's great. And I'm sure I'm not as good as you, but, uh, you know, you're my North Star maybe in that regard. Last one I got here. Yeah. Um, Thanksgiving coming up. I have a feeling, and you know, I, I don't have anything to back this up, but I, I have a feeling you have some strong Thanksgiving opinions. How about you give me a little Mount Rushmore of what's going on that Thanksgiving plate on Thursday? Uh, yeah, you know, say Thanksgiving, I think we've established, and it's nice that the conversation's gotten to this point in 2022. We're a sides-based culture on Thanksgiving. Turkey, a largely overrated protein on the plate, even if you deep fry it, which is great. It, it's still one of those things that's got a ceiling on what it can potentially do for you. Um, ham getting much more just doing that, but I'll go sides because that's really what we're here for. Uh, number one overall for me, mac and cheese. I think it's a high floor and even higher ceiling kind of side dish here. Can do a lot of things great. Thanksgiving, you're going to get it baked, probably some of those crumbles on top. It's awesome. I'll bring dessert into this and I'll go pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie. I don't think they're all that different. I know that sometimes, uh, point of contention for people either one of those as my dessert go-to i'm usually going to eat about half a pie on my own because there's not many pies that i'm really a huge fan of pumpkins near the top of the list uh the last two i'll go here 
Green bean, green bean casserole, an absolute triumph. Took me a little longer than I like to, you know, admit in public to really find Christ-saving light when it came to green bean casseroles rolling the Thanksgiving plate. And then you got to throw stuffing in there. I, I, I liken stuffing to, you know, an offensive defensive line, however you want. Like it'd be a three forefront where you got some bigger bodies up there on the defensive line, a gap scheme offensive line. It's going to help set the tone for your plate. It's going to help make sure the rest of the group can go out here and operate comfortably, but it's important nonetheless. Incredible. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I got to agree with you on most of that. I think I'd probably have stuffing as my uh, my number one overall pick. I'm just a huge fan. But uh, any any drinks you're loyal to there, do you think, this time of year? It's always an interesting conversation. I feel like people don't, you know, zero in on it. Any kind of beer, any kind of uh, any kind of brown stuff that you're loyal to? Uh, no, whatever's around. I am truly a trash panda when it comes to the alcoholic beverages on display at a Thanksgiving. Whatever you've got there, I'll find a way to make it work here. That's one place that I consider myself truly resilient is in that category. That's awesome. Well, Mike, you were joining us here on behalf of DraftKings. I got some stuff I'm going to read, but how about you go ahead and uh, give us the pitch on it uh, yourself and uh, also go ahead and uh, plug your social media, plug your podcast and all the stuff that you're doing with DraftKings as well to our audience. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I do a podcast uh, Monday through Friday, five days a week for DraftKings called uh, The Gojo Show uh, with Mike Golick Jr. Uh, we drop episodes every morning. It's me and my producer and former Notre Dame teammate, Brandon Newman, who's along with me here, the other voice that you'll hear on the podcast. Plenty of great guests, plenty of fun stuff through there, plenty of great opportunities to go and uh, have some awesome profit boosts and some things that DraftKings offers on my behalf there as well. At Mike Golick Jr. is where I'm at on all social social medias. Uh, that is Facebook, Twitter, uh, at M. Golick Jr. on TikTok, and at Gojo Show on all social platforms for the show handle as well. And uh, yeah, no, just excited for uh, the folks in Maryland to go ahead and get a chance to live at the DraftKings Sportsbook. It's been fun for me. DraftKings was something I started using uh, on the daily fantasy side of things a long time ago. Like my family has had a DraftKings DFS group going back years now that is highly contentious and extremely competitive every weekend. And so now getting to expand this out into the sportsbook side of those things and getting to experience that and uh, the rush every weekend as I, you know, go on the road and see all these college games, sit on Sunday and watch NFL games. It adds that extra little spice. It's definitely a blast. Absolutely. And uh, so tomorrow uh, or today when you're listening to this, I'm not really sure when I'm going to post it, but DraftKings is live in Maryland. All customers can take advantage of our Baltimore Ravens number or no-brainer offer if the Ravens score one point on Sunday. That is one point. All customers double their money up to $50 max bet. Also, all new customers can take advantage of our new user offer. Customers who place their first deposit within Maryland and bet $5 get $200 in free bets instantly. I don't really get to do a lot of ad reads. How did I do on that? That was flawless. I mean, you're a much better reader than I am off the jump. So weapon on the dance floor, you're a weapon in front of a book. So that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Love to hear that. Mike, thanks a lot for your time. Like I said, this one kind of came together uh, a little bit out of nowhere, but uh, it's always those that are the most fun for me, I think. And uh, yeah, like I said, felt like a little bit of a, a full circle moment here to chat with you. And I appreciate you taking some time out of your holiday week to uh, spend it with a, uh, a chucklehead like me. Love happy accidents. Thanks for having me and have a great Thanksgiving. Absolutely, man. Thanks. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Everything out of me. They gonna get a Super Bowl out of me. Need that. Need that.